again for this for the sake of time and we will definitely if you don't mind at the end I'm going to go ahead and open us up in prayer and then uh, there at the end we'll go ahead and uh, we'll definitely make sure that uh, we have time for uh, special prayer requests and everything but uh, at this time let us go to God uh, in prayer Father God we come now again with a bowed head and humble heart. Lord, again, I thank you for this day, this time, and opportunity. We thank you for your goodness, Father God, and we thank you now for our church family today. I pray now, Heavenly Father, as we go into your word, I pray that you will loan us your mind, that we may be united in our hearts, but we may live that life that's pleasing and acceptable in our eyesight. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that everything that's said and done here tonight will be pleasing and honorable unto you. And when we leave here tonight, Lord, I pray that we leave better than what we came. But this is my prayer. I pray in Jesus' sweet and precious holy name. Let us all say together, amen. At this time now, um, the book of 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And tonight we're looking at three verses. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and we're looking at three verses. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through uh, 18. Here's food for th uh, thought tonight, or something that I definitely want to impress upon your minds and uh, your heart uh, tonight. Give thanks in every situation. Learning to give thanks in every situation. Now, before we get there to the outline, one of the things I want to make sure that you understand tonight when we talk about learning to give thanks in every situation. Uh, if we're not careful in our walk with God, we have to be very careful that we don't only praise God when things are going well. It's easy to praise God when things are going so well in our lives. Uh, we got good health, good strength, good energy. Family is getting along pretty well. Things are going well at the job. Kids are doing uh, okay. Seems like everybody likes you and I. And so it's easy, it's easy to uh, praise God, it's easy to worship God. But what about in times when, when things, everything is not going your way? Things are not going the way that you planned. You turn the corner and there are some things waiting on you and I around the corner that we did not anticipate. Can you still worship God? Can you still conduct yourself Will you still conduct yourself in such a way that is honorable to God? So tonight, when we look at these three verses, when we look at our text tonight, Paul here tonight in uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verses 16 through 18, Paul teaches us how to worship. You want to know how to worship is right here, and he makes it so plain. He makes it so simple. It's not complicated. He teaches us here tonight how we as children of God should worship him. Now, if you look at your outline, and I'll go ahead and I'm going to 
uh, I'll read off a couple of things to you again. When we talk about this ideal of worship, when we talk about this ideal of serving God, not just in the good times, but even when things are not going so well, here are a few things that uh, Paul prescribes. Here are a few things that Paul talks about. And when you first look here at that paragraph there, many times when people worship God, they worship him out of their experiences. We worship God. We tend or we have the tendency to worship God out of our experience. Now, all of us here in the room tonight, all of us have different experiences. I don't know where God has brought you from. I don't know what storm God has brought you out of. And I said some time ago when I was standing right here in this very spot, I said that all of us in this room, we're in one of the three categories. Either we're getting ready to go into the storm, we're in the midst of a storm, or we're getting ready to come out of the storm. And so I don't know what, where you're at in your walk but all of us here tonight, even if you don't know it, there's something waiting on you. But the question tonight that you need to ask yourself, the question that I want to ask you or I want to challenge you, how are you going to conduct yourself? How do you conduct yourself where God still gets the glory? And so many times we worship God out of our experience. For every great why, there is a great how. So here's a question that you need to ask yourself. Here's a question that I ask myself. And sometimes as you are living this walk out, people may ask you this question. Why do you come to church every Sunday morning? Every Sunday morning you come to church. Why do you do that? Every week you come this way. You come to the same um, connect cr uh, class or group. You sit in the same chair. Week in and week out. Why do you do it? And you don't have to answer out loud. This is just something for you uh, to think about. This is something for you to ponder on. But we do these things, and we do it week in and week out. And the question that I ask, and the question that many ask of themselves as well and others, why do we do what we do? And so people worship out of what they've been through. And I, again, I said a few moments ago, all of us in this room have been through something. All of us have trials and tribulations in our lives. Now, we all have problems. They may not be the same problems, but nevertheless, we all have problems. We all have issues. It could be dealing with children. It could be dealing with a spouse. It could be dealing with sickness. It could be the job. It can be the stress of the everyday hustle and bustle. And you're trying to get here. You're trying to get there. You're trying to be everything to everybody. But nevertheless, all of us in this room tonight, we have our issues. But when God, when God has been good to you, when God has been good to me, and we realize that and we know that, then our worship takes on a new flavor. And what I mean by that is, if you're not careful, it's easy to tell somebody else's testimony. And you can do that, but it's not your testimony. It's easy to preach somebody else's sermon, but guess what? It's not your sermon. But when God has his hands on you, when God 
works with you, when God has been so good to you, and you know and you look back on the storm that you came out of, you look back on the trials and tribulations that you've had to deal with, and you can say within yourself, and you don't need anybody else to tell you, but you can say within yourself, if it had not been for the Lord who was on my side. No disrespect to mama, but guess what? I didn't need mama to tell me. I used to hear my mom, I used to hear my grandma talk about the goodness of God. But guess what? I didn't understand that. And the, the longer I live, I would always tell others, you know what? My grandma said this about God. My mama said this about God. But the longer I live and when I begin to have my own trials and tribulations, and when I give my testimony, when I talk to other people, when I'm sharing the gospel, I no longer say, Mama said. I no longer say, Granddad or Grandmother said. Now I can say, I know. I truly know that God has been better to me than I've been to myself. I can say that he will make a way out of nowhere be based off of my experience. And so when God has been good to you, when, when God has brought you through the storm and through the rain, and you begin to understand this and know this for yourself, then the way that you and I worship God takes on a new flavor. And this is what I mean by this. We are no longer going through the motion. If you don't have a relationship with God, if you're only doing it because somebody else has pushed you into this thing, somebody has pressured you into this thing, you really don't want to be ashamed. You don't want to stick out as a sore thumb. What will end up happening is you, you will go through the motions. You'll come to church on Sunday morning, but you don't know why you come. You'll be out there in the sanctuary. And when other people lifting their hands up, you find yourself lifting your hands up. But guess what? You don't know why. People that are singing from their heart, people that have tears running down their eyes, and you start trying to copy them and do the same thing. Because, again, you don't want to stick out as a soil thumb. But here's the problem. You don't know why. You don't know why the tears run down individuals' eyes. Because there's somebody who's sitting out in the sanctuary on Sunday morning, and they're crying, not out of sadness, but they're crying out of gratefulness. They're crying because... They were sick and God brought them out. They were dealing with something and they had lost hope. But somewhere, somehow, God made a way. And it is through that that your worship, my worship, begins to take on a new flavor so we no longer go through the motions. It's no longer repetition. It's no longer checking off a list. And once we understand that and once we realize that, now that you and I know the why, then we can get excited about the how. We can truly begin to get excited about the how. So let's look at the three points here that Paul prescribes, that Paul talks about, that Paul teaches us how to worship. Not my words, but it's right there in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18. And I'm going to read that for us tonight. And it reads as follows, and translation may be just a little bit different. But rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God and Christ Jesus for you. Notice, he didn't say for your neighbor, didn't say for mom, dad, but he said for you. 
when I read this and I reread this and I go back and I reread it again, he's talking about Brian Hood. For me, how do I worship him? What does the Bible prescribe? How does the Bible prescribe how I worship him? I'm glad that you asked tonight. Let's look at the first point. First point, Paul teaches us if we're going to worship God and how we do that, first thing he says here in the text tonight, he talks about praise. And how do we know that? Because verse number 16 says, rejoice always. Rejoice always. Verse 16 leads us into praise. Again, verse 16 in our text tonight, it leads us into praise. The apostle never encouraged believers to deny the adversity that brings sadness and grief. In other words, what Paul is saying here, don't, listen, don't live in a fantasy world. Don't go about thinking that nothing bad will ever happen to you or not anything bad will ever happen to you. If we're not careful, when we think about ministry and we talk about ministry, and I say this time and time again, we have a tendency, we want to talk about all the good things. And there are, there are times in ministry where you will laugh together, you will celebrate together. There will be days that you will come this way and you'll be glad to be here. But there is another side of ministry that we don't like to talk about. There will be times that you will come this way. And if you have not experienced it yet, as a seasoned person told me, keep getting up in the morning. There will be times that you, before you even get here, you and your wife will have arguments. Children will be acting up. You'll have to say, stop, quit. She'll do something to aggravate you. You'll do something to aggravate her and vice versa. And y'all will be fighting like cats and dogs out there in that parking lot and even before you get in here. And then when you get out and you walk in here after fussing with one another, after fussing with the kids, and people ask you, how are you guys doing? And this is what you say, we're doing great. We're doing fine. Knowing just a few moments ago or just coming up the highway, we were fussing and arguing like cats and dogs. And I said that to say this again, every time you come this way, you may not feel like it. Every time you come this way, you may not necessarily be in the best of moods. But Paul teaches us here in verse number 16, he leads us into praise. Never deny the fact that you won't have problems. Never deny the fact that there, there will be some days you just don't feel like it. You may not feel like smiling when you walk through the doors. Sometimes you come through those doors and you hope and pray that everybody don't stop you and talk to you, that you even go through the side door so you can take a shortcut, so you can run on into the sanctuary. Because the pressures of life, everything that I have to deal with, I'm really not feeling up to it today. And if you don't believe me, when you get a chance, and for the sake of time, read Romans 12 and 15 when you get home. Romans 12 and 15 uh, talks about... uh, tribulations and how patience work tribulation trials and so forth but read that when you get home but Paul goes on not only does verse 16 leads us into praise not only does Paul encourage as Paul is writing that he does not want us to be naive to the fact uh, that we will have sadness that there will be times in our life where there will uh, be grief but 
Paul also encourages us to recognize, even in the midst of the most agonizing situations, that the presence of God through his spirit can infuse the soul with hope and the heart with joy. I believe that's worth saying one more time, that even in the most agonizing situations, and again, I said that earlier, again, every situation will not be a pleasant situation as you continue to walk with God. Because you will sit back and you will begin, and there will be times you will watch your health slowly but surely leave you. You will watch loved ones that, you, that have taken care of you, and now you find yourself taking care of them. Your parents who used to have to hold your hand to help you get around, now you are holding their hands to help them get around. And the list goes on and on and on. But even in the midst of that, through God's spirit, God can infuse the soul with hope and a heart with joy. Now notice here in the text, he doesn't say, he doesn't speak anything about happiness. Not happiness, but he talks about joy. Not happiness, but joy, because happiness is based on what's happening at that very present moment. Be careful when you hear people say, I'm happy. How are you doing? I'm happy. And when I hear people say that they're happy, and don't get me wrong, if you're happy, great. I, I want you to be happy. But here's what's wrong with that statement. If you're happy and I hear you say you're happy, then that means you're not going to be happy too long. Because, again, happiness is based off of what's happening in the current moment. So in that hour, you may be happy, but you don't know what's going to happen in the next hour. You can walk out here right now, and you don't know. For many of you that have your phones off right now, you may not even look at them. But when you get back in your vehicle, you don't know what that phone call is going to be about. When you get back to your job, you don't know what to expect. So you could be happy right here, but within a matter of minutes or hours, that happiness turns into something else. Because, again... Happiness is based off of what's currently happening. But joy is in spite of what's happening. You do realize you can still have joy in spite of what's happening. I didn't say that you like what's going on. Nobody likes to see their parents suffer. Friends that you love grow up with and you're watching their health slowly but surely leave them. You deal with everyday struggles yourself. I didn't say that you would be jumping up and down all the time, but even in the midst of that, if we truly have a relationship with God, and the longer you walk with God and the closer you get with God, then you come to know and understand and realize that you can have joy in your life in spite of what's going on in that current moment or even in that current hour. And brothers and sisters, if we're not careful, life does have a way of tampering you and I down. Now, when I think about tampering, and when I use that word tampering, I, I don't watch a lot of TV uh, because of I, I do so many other things, and it's really and truly just really not a lot of good stuff on TV anymore. And so... Uh, and when I'm looking at TV, sometimes I like to look at old westerns and, and things like that. And my, my children will look at me and be like, Dad, that's old. Why we got to watch that? And so they like Disney. They like all this and that. But every now and then, 
And every once in a while, I like to look at the cooking channel. Now, men don't laugh at me, okay? Now, I don't do baking, but I do like to watch it. And I like when my wife bakes. And when I think about the word tampering, and life tends to tamper you and I down, and it can tamper us down. And so when you're baking, when your wife is baking, or your grandmother is baking, or even when you find yourself uh, baking, uh, they may uh, may be a mixture that requires eggs. And you have to put eggs into the mixture, but here's the thing about it. If that mixture is warm, you just don't dump the eggs all at one time. Can anybody tell me why you don't dump the eggs all at one time? For those of you who bake, say what now? There you go, scrambled eggs. Exactly. So if you've got a warm mixture and it calls for eggs, you don't pour them in there all at one time because the eggs will scramble. You pour the eggs in one at a time. That's called tampering. And life has a way of tampering you and I down. The eggs have to be put in slowly to tamper the mixture, or again, you'll end up with scrambled eggs. You mess up, and if you're not careful and you pour it all at one time, you end up messing up the end result if you put it all in too quickly. And brothers and sisters, this is how God deals with you and I when it comes to our joy. God mixes enough trouble with enough uh, happiness or slash joy to fill us with his joy. We're not always jumping up and down because we know we know and we realize and we understand that there may be something around the corner that you and I are not expecting. Our joy has been made complete. We're, we are not happy always, but always full of joy. So in our walk with God, the situations that you're dealing with, the problems that you left at home or you left at the office, things that you're dealing with and you're struggling with, with your family, even at this current moment, as you're sitting in your chair and you're looking at me right now and you're trying your best to stay focused on what the preacher is saying, but there's a part of you can't help but to think about what you currently left. But the longer you walk with God, And the closer you get with God, then again, you begin to realize and understand that while we may not always be happy always, but we can be full of joy. Happiness comes and go, but joy shows up in our facial expressions. Joy shows up in our handshakes. Joy shows up when everything else is falling apart. And yet, when everything is come falling apart, and see, this is the reason why you have to be careful when we talk about happiness and we talk about uh, joy. Those who are happy, as long as everything is going their way, they'll be here on Sunday morning. They'll be here on Wednesday night. They'll come and they'll do because they're happy. They, they're so happy because everything is going their way. But the individuals who learn this concept that Paul is talking about tonight, when he speaks about joy, Those individuals who come to understand this and realize this, then this is what they understand. This is what they realize, unlike the people who always go around and talk about, I'm just happy. They realize that I can still have joy even when my world is falling apart around me. You can still hold your head up. 
when you walk through those doors. You still may not be in the best of moods, but I still got joy. Everything is not going my way, Brother Brian, but guess what? I still have joy. I did not get the news that I was looking for when I went to the doctor, but guess what? I still have joy. You can still give God your best hallelujahs. You can still give God your best praise. And it does not matter what other people say or even what other people may think about you. Your joy can spring up in your life. And if you don't have this real lasting joy that I'm talking about here tonight, then it makes me wonder. It really makes me wonder about your relationship with God. Here's the reason why it makes me wonder about your relationship with God. If you're always happy, but you don't ever have joy. Because anybody who's ever been saved and in the presence of Jesus, nobody can come to Jesus and be saved and leave the same way you came. And so Paul talks about, first thing, if he teaches us how to worship. So we got to learn how to praise God. Not only in the best of situations, but even in the worst of situations. But here's the next thing that the Bible prescribes, that Paul teaches us here in our text tonight. Paul goes on not only to uh, talk about rejoice always or pray always or praise always, but he also goes here in verse number 17, and he says, pray without ceasing. He talks about pray without ceasing. Now, you do realize and you do understand, brothers and sisters, there is power in prayer. I mean, there is truly power in prayer. Bible tells us that we have not because we ask not. We're so busy. And I shared this with the small group, uh, uh, with this new church plant. And we talked about prayer, um, you know, last week or, or the week before. And uh, one of the things we, when I talk about prayer, we are so busy in life with the hustle and bustle, doing this and doing that, that we have, if we're not careful, we've messed around and boxed God out. We've given our time to everybody and everything else. And then we have the audacity to tell God, if I have anything left over, then I'll give it to you. That's how much we really think of God. We give God the leftovers. We give him what's left over of our time. We give God what's left over of our energy because I've given my best to everybody and everything else. But notice here in the text, Paul says, pray without ceasing. Prayer was not to be limited to prescribe how, but rather be a common and constant element in our daily lives. You should not, and I pray that you don't go to God only when you want something. Many of you have children. Many of you have grandchildren. And if you're like myself, I have three. One of them, she was hollering back there, and thank God whoever walked back there to see about it, thank God for you doing that. But I know that when my children are so nice to me and they begin to do everything that I sometimes have to fuss at them about, there's some consequences that they don't get things done. And when they do everything that I want them to do, and then they come up to me and my baby girl looks at me, Daddy, I love you so much, and my eyebrow goes up. And this is the first question I ask, what do you want? You must want something. And guess what, brothers and sisters, if we're not careful, we do God the same way. 
Because, see, when everything is going well in our life and our, we're getting, our marriage is going good, children are doing all right, our health is great, we got great news from the doctor, and friends love us, the community loves us, again, we rarely spend time with God. But then when the bottom falls out in our lives, then here we come petitioning God. God, I want this. God, I need this. God, will you bless me with this? And will you bless me with that? And again, I pray that you don't do God like that. Yes, it's okay, and you should go to God. You should go to God when things are not going right. But don't let that be the only time you ever have a conversation with God. There ought to be some times. I, my grandmother, she's dead and gone now. But my grandmother, she had 13 kids. So that means a whole bunch of grandchildren. And I spent a lot of time with my grandmother. And as a result of spending a lot of time with my grandmother, come Christmas time, I got a little bit more than the other grandkids got. And so what grandma would do, and grandma was real smart about what she did. All of us would be there, and she'd start passing out everything. i get my box. The other ones get their boxes all wrapped up. And then she'd look at me, and she said, you come back and see me in an hour. Because grandma had something extra for me. Well, some of the other grandkids began to notice that. And then they asked her, well, why does he get a little bit more than we do? And this is what she said. He comes around me and he spends time with me and he doesn't want anything. He doesn't ask for anything. He's not trying to uh, figure out how he can get anything out of me. He just comes around. And that ought to be the same way we treat God. There ought to be times in our lives and on this walk with God. When we come in the presence of God, God, I am not coming to ask you to bless this. I'm not coming to ask you to do this or do that. But I come just to say thank you. If you don't do anything else in my life, you've already done enough. And I just want to say thank you for the portion of help strength, energy. Thank you for my family being as well as they are. Thank you for safe travels. When I leave my home and I tell everybody goodbye and I see you this evening, it's not promised that I'll make it back. But when I do pull back up in the yard, when the Lord do allow my children to return safely and soundly to me after I dropped them off to school, there are times when I can't help but to go to God and say, God, I'm not asking for anything. I just want to praise you and say, Thank you. So he says, pray without ceasing. And it should be a part of our daily lives. Again, not when we're in trouble only. Not when things are going bad. But this should be our DNA. We should be bathed in prayer. You should be drenched in prayer. Do your children see you praying? Shame on you if you're telling your children that they should pray, but they've never seen you pray. Do you and your spouse get together and hold hands together, and do y'all pray together? If you don't, I challenge you to start. You ought to start it. Again, I do realize and understand there are times where we will steal away, spend time with God, and we're praying within ourselves. But there ought to be times you pray together as a family. There ought to be times that your family see you praying to God. And you ought to do it on a daily basis. Here's what prayer and praise without ceasing means. When he talks about praise, when he talks about prayer 
without ceasing. Here's what this means. Now, he's not talking about every minute, every second, every hour of the day, you're going to be walking around praying. That's not what Paul is saying in the text. But what Paul is really getting at, and this is the best analogy that I can use, and prayerfully you'll get this when I say this, but this is what Paul means when he talks about praying always, when he talks about uh, praise always and then praying uh, without uh, ceasing. Have you ever had a dry cough or know of somebody that had a dry cough? And you constantly cough, you'll cough a little bit. Then you may go five or six minutes and then you cough again. And then you go ten minutes. Oh, there you go. Somebody's doing it right now. Thank you. Then you go ten minutes without coughing, and then here you go, you cough again. And it goes on and on. It's just like that until you go to the doctor, till you get over it. That's what Paul is talking about. Not that you're going to be praying all day and every minute and every second of the hour. But he, what he really truly means, but if you need it, it is in the back of your throat already. If I need to pray, it's already in the back of my throat, just like that cough. I know I'm going to cough. I've been coughing all day. I'm using that as an example. I haven't been coughing all day. But I've, I've had that dry cough, and I know in the next five minutes it's coming up. <clears throat> next ten minutes, <clears throat> this is what Paul is talking about here when he talks about praise and when he talks about uh, praying without ceasing. While you're not always praying every second, every minute of the hour. But if you need it, it is in the back of your throat. You praise God. You praise God when he allows something to come your way. You praise him. You can't help but to say thank you because, again, it's in the back of your throat. Something that was unexpected and it was in your favor. You can't help but to tell God thank you. But now here's the other thing that I want to make sure when we talk about that praise, when we talk about praying without ceasing, and this is why it's so important that you have to walk with God. You have to stay with him on a daily basis because when you think about this cough that I'm talking about, if, uh, if you're not careful, the cough gets so bad, we want to take something to try to stop, stop the cough, right? How many of you in here, just by a show of hand, you've coughed so much at times, you had to finally either go to the doctor or go to the store to get something so that you could stop coughing. Have you ever been like that? And so if you go, especially if you go to the store and you buy uh, medicine over the counter, this, what they call it is a suppressant. It's something that will suppress the cough. It will stop you from coughing. Now, here's the danger. If you get further and further away from God, and the only time you ever talk to God is when you want something or you need something, if you're not careful and you uh, get in self, you will begin to suppress your prayers and you will suppress your praise. Pride is a cough suppressant. Hatred is a cough suppressant. Envy, jealousy, lust is a cough suppressant. God wants to get a praise out of you, but before God can get a praise out of you and I, he has to get other things out of us first. And that's the reason why some of us, brothers and sisters, find it hard to pray or don't even pray, because we got too much mess on the inside of us. And in order for God to get that prayer, that he wants out of you or that praise that he wants out of you. God has to learn or God has to get other things out of you and I first. 
our praise through God, our praise has been perfected because of what we have been through. Storms that we find ourselves in, mess that we found ourselves in, and then also messes that we found and noticed and realized how God has got us out of some messes. And then there ought to be times in life where you thank God, if you're here tonight, well, I've never been in a mess. You ought to thank God. You ought to thank God that he kept you out of it. I hear people say all the time, well, you know what, Brother Hood? I've never, I've never drank anything. I've never smoked anything. Never did any of this or did any of that. And when I look at them, I say, well, you ought to thank God that he kept you from that. You ought to praise God that he kept you from that. So Paul talks about praise. Paul talks about praying without ceasing. But now, here's the last thing that Paul talks about. In everything, he says, give thanks. Verse uh, 18, in everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So in everything, give thanks. Again, don't answer this out loud. But I truly want you to be honest. You don't have to impress me. I don't have a heaven or a hell to put you in. I'm not going to look down on you. Again, answer this within yourself, but not out loud. Every situation that you have found yourself in, whether it been good or bad, desirable or not, did you give God praise? Did you give God praise even when you didn't get the news you were looking for at the doctor? Did you give God praise when you heard that somebody that you love and they went on to glory? Did you give God praise? Because yesterday me and my wife was getting along and we had an awesome day and we sat on the porch and we laughed and talked. But today my wife, her fangs were showing. I walked out of the door to turn around to say goodbye. And before I could say goodbye, she had already slammed the door. I guess y'all don't ever experience that. But even in the midst of all of that, you know, the toilet tears up. And then I fix the toilet and then the dryer breaks down. Then it started raining really hard and there's a leak. But in all of those things that we deal with, did you still give God thanks? Something to think about. Thankfulness is the opposite of complaining. I could complain, but I won't. It's easy to complain. And again, this is why you have to stay close to God. This is why you have to bathe yourself in the word of God. Because thankfulness is the opposite of complaining. I could complain, but brotherhood, I won't complain. I need to complain. There's somebody sitting in this chair, in some of these chairs tonight, on the side of wherever you are. There's somebody saying within themselves, you know what, though? I really do need to complain, but I won't. Because, and here's the reason why you won't do it. It's because when you take your blessings and you think about your blessings and how God has truly been good to you and you have them on one side and you have your complaints on the other side and every time you think about complaining, take your blessings, put them on one side and put your complaints on the other side and I guarantee you the scale will always tilt in your favor. It will always tilt in your favor. Because our blessings, brothers and sisters, you will learn the longer you walk with God and you stay with him in this journey. You'll learn and you'll discover that your blessings, my blessings, far outweigh our complaints. 
there at the bottom of your outline where it says give thanks in every situation. Not for everything, but notice what I said there at the bottom. Not for everything, but in everything. So what does that mean, Brother Brian? Again, I'm glad that you asked tonight. I'm not, I'm not happy about the storm, but I'm thankful as I go through the storm. I'm not happy, Brother Mike, about the cancer, but I'm going to be thankful as I go through those results that the doctor has given me. No, it hurt and it grieved my heart to hear about a loved one or a friend of mine who has gone on. But even in the midst of that, God, I am going to praise you. I am going to honor you. I am going to trust you, God, even when I cannot trace your hand in the dark. Try doing that. Try trusting God, and you can't even trace his hand in the dark. It's easy to praise God when you can see his hand and you can see what he's doing in your life. But when you can no longer trace his hand in the dark, that's where your faith really has to kick in. And so give thanks in every situation, not for everything, but in everything. And so there at the bottom, and I said when you look at the word in, it means in the midst of everything, while you are surrounded by everything. Don't be guilty of telling people that they got to keep their head up when their world is crumbling around them. And then when things happen to you, you're running around like a chicken with your head cut off. I can understand when things happen out there in the world and people who don't know God. And the first thing they say is, we don't know what we're going to do. I can understand lost people saying that. What I don't understand is people who know God, people who say they trust God, and even when bad things happen, I don't know what I'm going to do. What do you mean you don't know what you're going to do? You're going to do the same thing you did yesterday, the day before, the week before that, and the month before that. You're going to trust God. You're going to trust that while you, don't, you may not understand why these things are happening to you, and why God has allowed these things to happen. But you know that when the dust settles, that he's working it all for his good and for his glory. And when you come out on the other side, not if, but when you come out on the other side, you will be made better for it. Again, learning to give thanks in every situation. May God bless you tonight. May God keep you. Guess what? I'm done. I've run out of things to say, and so I, I've learned in seminary school when you've run out of things to say, it's time to sit down. And so I'm done tonight, but may God bless you tonight. May God keep you um, is my prayer. Please, ma'am, please, sir, again, if you want to learn how to worship, Paul teaches you right there how to worship. Bible prescribes, and I'm a firm believer that whatever question you have, the Bible has an answer for it. Now, God is not going to come down and open up the book for you, so you've got to open it up and you've got to read it for yourself. But the Bible has an answer for it. Again, God bless you tonight. Uh, God keep you. Uh,
is my prayer. I hope and pray that something is said tonight that you can take home with you or down the road with you, and you can live off of until next Wednesday night till you guys see uh, Brother Wade, okay? God bless you, and uh, God keep you. Uh, prayer. Prayer. Please, ma'am, please, sir, I will ask that you will continue to pray for uh, our church plant. We've been meeting in my living room for the last four or five uh, Wednesday nights, and uh, God is definitely doing some great things. So please, ma'am, please, sir, uh, I solicit uh, your prayers that this church will be what God would have it to be, uh, that God will inspire, that God will touch men, women, boys, and girls alike who have a desire, who want to be a part of something much bigger than themselves to reach more people for uh, kingdom's sake. I have a lot of people ask me, well, have you found a place yet? No, I have not found a place yet. Land is at a premium. Buildings are at a premium. But God is faithful. And until that time, we are having an awesome time in my living room. Amen. God bless you. God keep. If you look at the book of Acts, the early church started out in houses. Didn't start out in buildings, but it started out uh, in homes. So, again, I'm very thankful. So, I will definitely uh, ask you for your prayers. Um, anybody else with special prayer requests? Nobody? You guys must be ready to go. All right. So if that's the case, then we're going to go ahead. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads for a moment of prayer. I will dismiss us. And please, ma'am, please, sir, be safe and be careful on your way home tonight. Let us go to God in prayer. Father God, once again, we come with a bowed head and an humble heart. Again, Lord, we just want to say Thank you. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Again, Father, I pray that everything that was said and done will be pleasing and acceptable in our eyesight. Father, I also pray for Longview Point tonight. I pray for the leadership here tonight, Lord. I pray that you will keep this church family in your care, Lord. I pray now, Heavenly Father, that as we leave here tonight, Lord, that we leave better than what we came. I pray, Heavenly Father, that if we have not been doing it, that in every situation that we learn to give thanks, that we come in such a way that it gives you honor and it gives you glory. For our safe travels tonight, our destination, safely and soundly, we'll be sure to give you the praise, honor, and glory that you so much deserve. For this is my prayer, I pray in Jesus' name I pray. Let us all say together, amen. Good night.